one of the primary tools we use in coaching is uh, our coaching codes. And coaching code number two for us is process the emotion before the logistic. And um, I've never done a formal training on it to our team. We have a document and we talk about it and whatnot, but I've never put together an actual presentation, walking them through good versions of this, bad versions of this, teaching the tool we use for this called SOAP uh, to the team. So yesterday I did that to the coaching team. We've saved it in our training library for new coaches that come in and to be able to refer to that and teach it even more thoroughly as we go. Uh, so this is a 30-minute or so presentation. Uh, this is actually done on Zoom, so I've stripped out the video and created an audio version of it here. So this is a quick intro just to tell you what you're about to listen to. This is an internal training done to our team and uh, to teach one of the primary tools we use in coaching called SOAP, which allows a coach to process the emotion before the logistic and thus be much more effective when we have a client who is elevated either at themselves or at us or somebody else, something negative happens. Uh, and one of the biggest traps you can step into as a human is when someone is elevated emotionally, trying to help them with some logistical issue. And that is impossible to do until the emotion is dealt with and the snow globe of their mind is settled. So we use a tool called SOAP to do it. So here's the training that I just did to our team on how to use it effectively. Hope you enjoy. All right, coaching code number two, process the emotion before the logistic. Um, and y'all can see my screen, right? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, so here's probably the, the best analogy that I have for this. Um, when the snow globe of someone's mind is shaken up and you try to get to the logistic, meaning their emotions are incredibly elevated due to whatever, it doesn't even matter if it's a reasonable thing. The emotions hit you that you like, you don't choose to be super pissed off one day. Oh, maybe occasionally you do. I, sometimes it's a good thing. But for the most part you have a bunch of shame or guilt or loneliness or, or anger or whatever, um, like it happened to you. Like those things hit you. You didn't flip the switch to say, let me be, feel a lot of shame or let me feel a lot of guilt or let me feel a lot of anger or whatever. Let me feel a lot of joy. I wish I could turn it on, but like you can't control our emotion typically like that. They happen to you. Um, and having the thinking of yourself and, you know, and analyzing your real time human experience through this of like, Ooh, my, my snow globe is for sure shaking right now. Um, is really helpful seeing that in your spouse or your kids or a coworker or whatever is one of the single best things we can have. I've called it the, the snow globe detectometer, like just having a radar out for that, that this is a thing that someone is like a therapist I had who I've actually pulled almost all of this from, and I've kind of put it in my own framework, but it's all the core of it is all Glenn, um, who's a client of ours actually, uh, having a radar for their, their emotions are elevated. He uses the analogy of like one feet of emotion. Like if you're in a chair, that's one foot off the ground and you fall out of it, it won't kill you. But if you're a thousand feet up, if you have a thousand feet of fear and you fall out, like you might actually legitimately die or go into depression or like something can happen to you when you're like super elevated, you can do dumb stuff. You can say dumb stuff. It can actually hurt your body, like in all kinds of ways. So like think of, these are all different metaphors to describe heightened state of emotion snow globe fuzzy and that's i like that one the most because you can't see clearly in a blizzard you literally can't see straight so i wanted to make this a meme like you could clearly see the problem here but then when it's shaken up you can barely see it but i didn't take the time to photoshop that up in the right way because you need the snow to layer over top of the anyway um so think of just going through your own of yourself with the four of us with the whole team with your own clients like where's their snow globe detective meter at like are they at uh, in the green, which is chill mode, like you're good. Or are you in the red mode, which is like, everything's, everything's bad. I'm dying. This is dying. My business is shutting down. Like fear, fight or flight is kicked in because the emotion is elevated up. The snow globe is shaking. 
so I, I've done a couple. I did this one, which is not business. I'll do a marriage example here of just kind of walk through this conversation. I'd love for all of us just to have a radar for this owl as you go through literally life after this call, like go into personal life after this. You'll encounter humans and one person you encounter today online or in person will probably not be at total chill mode. They'll probably be at least elevated to into the death stage a little bit. Um, so a marriage example could be something like um, I've used wife and husband as the example. I'll put me and Stacy as the characters here, although this isn't a conversation. This exact one we wouldn't have, but we would definitely have versions of this. Uh, wife, did you talk to your mom about watching the kids? Um, the wife is saying this totally from a chill mode, but husband is not in chill mode. So he receives this not as chill asking. He receives this as aggressive asking. And he's like, no, can you stop nagging me? I'm taking care of it. Husband is obviously, maybe he's not in total death mode, but he's like, he's in the red, the, the, the speedometer, the tachometer is over there in the red zone. So he immediately is over here. So there's kind of a decision diamond right here as the spouse or as the human engaging the person who is, as long as you have the, the, the snow globe analogy in your mind, you can identify, Ooh, okay. I don't need to worry about the logistic here, which is like, Hey, that was a super aggressive way to respond to me or whatever you could say rightfully. So, but you're like, Ooh, snow globe is shaken up. Ideally person a, in this case, the wife sees real time that person B in this case, the husband, the snow globe is shaken up. The snow globe detective meter is like, it's pegged to the right a little bit. If somebody responds like that to a question as innocuous as this, then like, hey, I should probably not worry about the logistic right now, which is the kids or why you responded like that. Nothing like that. So this is a good response, by the way. Person A, in this case, the wife, detects snow globe detective meter goes off like, ooh, okay. Like um, something's going on here. And I might internally say something like, um, maybe they're feeling a lot of shame from not doing whatever the thing is yet. Uh, and I think back to the last time I felt shame so that I can relate to them. Because like that feeling that they're probably having is probably one I've had for sure in the last week, as long as I'm aware of what I've been feeling. So if I respond like this and Stacy responds with like, Ooh, snow globe detector meter goes off, he's probably feeling something. Let me just guess at the emotion, not externally, but internally, like probably feeling shame or guilt that I didn't do X, Y, Z. I think back to the last time I did that. That's going to soften my posture and it's going to put me at a point where I can respond in a helpful way. Because ultimately, I want the engagement to be helpful. I eventually want to get back to the actual logistic, which is this. Like, eventually, we need to solve that actual thing. But as soon as this thing starts getting into the red zone, this actual logistic of the kids this weekend or whatever the thing actually is, actually doesn't matter anymore. So, like, a good response is throw the logistic out in this conversation in your head. You're no longer trying to solve that problem right now. You can't actually solve the problem right now because the snow globe is shaking up and you can't solve any logistic until that thing's calm and clear. And then you can get back to the actual problem at hand. Is this making sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So a good response could be something like, ooh, because uh, remember the, the response was, I'm going to take care of it. Stop asking me. Uh, a good response back once I realize, like, ooh, okay, shaking up. I don't want to exacerbate that. I want to hold space for that person. I want to let them process. And eventually sometime in the near future, I want to get back to my question. I actually need answers so I can do whatever the thing is I want to do. So I might say something like, ooh, totally, what happened for you when I said that? person B, in this case, the husband, or I respond back with, hey, it felt like you didn't trust me. Can you just let me take care of it? Slightly triggered kind of answer still. Like they're not obviously in calm state. Do the, can you just, like just as a keyword, by the way, if somebody says just like almost every time they're not in the green zone of super chill, like they're in the red zone, kind of triggered a little bit, the snow globe shaking up, the emotions are elevated enough or like something bad could happen if you keep instigating it. Uh, and then person A, the wife in this case says, yeah, for sure. Is there a better way for me to ask on the status next time without violating that trust? Something like that. And the conversation will go on, but you kind of get the point. Um, in this case, 
person A, the wife in this case, has helped person B, the husband in this case, like, like they're not in total chill mode yet. At the end of the conversation, if they keep navigating it well, they could get them in chill mode, in which case the snow globe settled and they get to the logistic, which they originally needed, which is like, hey, what's going on with the kids? <laughs> I need to know that pr practically to know how to do my day. Um, but you can't do that until the chill meters like come back down to like green state. So this has helpful, this has been a startup conversation where the wife, person A in this case, has de-escalated the snow globe. It's not totally settled, but it's starting to settle where I can actually get the real thing I want, which is a logistic behind it. Okay, let's do the opposite. Let's do a bad example where we escalated the thing. So wife said, did you talk to your mom about watching the kids? Husband says, nope. Can you stop nagging me? I'll take care of it. His detectometers run, his, his triggered mark, his snow globe is shaken up. And the wife isn't, person A in this case, isn't aware of what's going on and keeps triggering it over and over. And, and both of them escalate to just destruction state and nothing positive happens at all. So the wife might say something like, wow, someone woke up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> as a joke, even like as not even like a tongue in cheek kind of comment. I can write this out because I've done like every version of this. And I'm sure we all as married people and people with kids have done like every version of this possible. And the husband just walked away. He's like, I'm out. Uh, wife, why are you walking away from me? Husband, you won't stop asking about it. I told you I was taking care of it. You never listen to me and just nuclear explosion. Like now we're both like pegged and the snow globe is going off and we're both self-destructing. Then we don't even know what we're arguing about and that whole thing. Um, that, so that's good example, bad example, or at least approximating to the example. Maybe the point here is when we walk into a conversation and we have the snow globe meter which is a terrible name for this. It's hard to even say when, the, when we realize, and we have the, we have a radar for the snow globe being shaken up. When we realize it's shaken, the number one job isn't solving whatever problem needs to be solved. The number one job is helping that person. And this is the, one of the best things you can do for just being a good human to the person, being a friend of the person is help them get calm, help them get the snow globe settled so that you can, you know, solve the logistic and maybe even help them solve the underlying thing that helped that thing get escalated in the first place for them, which is almost never the logistic. There's nothing about the kids. It's nothing about you. It's probably nothing about what you ask them at all. There's some underlying thing that caused that question at that time to get triggered and, and surface that thing, settle it down and then handle logistic at hand. So all of this kind of methodology, I'm sure many people have talked about it many different ways over the years. I first learned it from a marriage therapist called Glenn Hill. Uh, me and Stacy hired him years ago to help us. He has a book called the connection codes. It'd be a fun book club book to do at some point. This is me distilling that whole book down into the most helpful way I know to talk about it for client relations and team relations and everything. Um, so pause there. I want to go through methodology of uh, something we can use, especially in these client expectation calls, because most of the time when there's a misaligned client expectation, they might not be 100 out of 100 nuclear self-assured nuclear destruction mode, but in some way they're elevated. Someone doesn't write a 700 word, 27 screenshot email and not be escalated to some degree. And the worst thing we can do when someone's escalated is start talking about some underlying logistic around their contract or some stupid thing like that when they're in that mode. You can eventually get to it, but not when they're in that mode. Um, so pause there for a second. Questions, thoughts, ideas. What's bubbling in mind as I kind of talk through this? Yeah, I mean, it's just all in the response and how you respond. Yeah. Um, making sure you're doing that effectively. But it all makes sense to me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is all like good, solid EQ stuff, right? You just, like, they're not going to hear you if they're in the wrong place. So it's just basically just getting them back down, bringing them back down to earth, as I like to say. Yeah. And, yeah, getting them to a calm place. No, makes yeah. perfect sense. Cool. All right, I'll keep talking. And y'all feel free to interrupt or anything. 
Michael, do you have anything to add? I know. I just want to process the emotion for the logistic of maybe one of the five more powerful things I've learned. Maybe like, yeah. So I'm, I'm driving it 100%. Cool. All right. So a helpful acronym, and I learned this actually, it was a marriage disagreement, which like almost all of them, I couldn't even tell you what actually happened. Um, but Stacy was sharing something. I, I, I need to actually codify this story because it's the most visceral story for this for me. And it helped it, it made it's the, the moment this acronym popped in mind. Uh, and by the way, one reason I share this kind of thing is not because y'all don't know how to do it. It's really given us a common language to talk about it within. And when different coaches join the team that aren't as good at it, we can train on it and we can talk about it and try to make these kind of things as simple as possible. Kind of use the same metaphors and analogies internally. So as we go to write an SOP, like what to do when clients' expectations are misaligned, we can say, hey, did you soap them? Or did you, whatever we say, like, did, did you use that? Because that's did like you, kind of our Did you wash them? Did you wash them? So it's actually about yourselves. Okay, so here, here, here's the story that I haven't like curated very well, but I mean, Stacy, Stacy was elevated about something. I didn't catch it real time. So I escalated with it. I got up triggered. She was already triggered. I came into it, didn't hold space for her, didn't help her get her snow globe settled. As a result, we both escalate to nuclear disaster mode. Uh, and I remember both of us sitting on the bathroom floor and I'm just, I get like an our, like our argument cycles. I get frustrated that we're frustrated. I'm rarely frustrated at whatever actually happened. I'm just pissed off that we're pissed off. <laughs> like that's my, I'm like, and a real time, I'm like, what? Again, I'm here again. Like what in the world? It's like the most frustrating thing ever. Uh, so real time, as we were there, uh, a story from childhood came to mind, which is, I don't know if my mom ever, actually, I can remember one time. Uh, so one time, I don't know if she ever did it more, but she would always say, like, if I were to say something like a cuss word or something, even approximating that kind of thing or say something ugly to somebody, she would say, you better be careful. I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Did anybody else's mom do this? Or is this like a weird Southern mom thing? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah like I it's, I mean, it was uh, terminology, but I mean, yeah. they never did it. But yes, it was it was definitely threatened. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. So I didn't know if that was like a ubiquitous term or if it was just like something my mom said. But I remember one time, I, I remember one time, and maybe I'm making this up. I need to ask my mom. And she's a great mom. We're, we're great terms and everything. But I remember one time having soap in my mouth and I was like, this is really bizarre. So much so that, you know, you repeat the patterns that your parents did. And one time I threatened one of the kids that I was like, I'm going to wash your mouth. That was soap. And then, and then they did whatever it was. And I was like, okay, I guess I got to do it now. And I'm like, How did, what, what do you even do? <laughs> like this just this is so stupid so we've not I've cut that terminology but the idea of what i say this is how it connects here i think when someone is triggered the snow globe is shaken up detector meters pegged to the right what i say putting soap in my mouth using being very aware of the words i use being able to either continually hurt them because when they're in that mode, they're easily hurt, like more so wounds, like long-term legit wounds can be inflicted there accidentally. Um, so being very aware of the word, the next words that come out of my mouth is hugely important. I mean, especially probably in the most intimate relationship that exists with your spouse, but this is the same concepts for everybody else as well. They're just way more visceral there. Um, so real time sitting in the bathroom floor, both of us sitting there, she's crying and I'm frustrated at everything. And literally, I'm going to put soap in your mouth came to mind. Like that phrase came to mind and thinking through the acronym. Um, uh, and this has been permanently etched in my mind there. So these are kind of the four steps that I'll walk through. And I would encourage all of us to walk through when we're in that moment. So when we're in the, when we're in an onboarding call and suit, we, we don't even know it's an error to grievance call. We don't even know there's a client expect. This is probably the, one of the more challenging ones. You don't know it's coming and it hits you up the blue. You can a little more suck yourself up and get in the frame of mind when you schedule one of these. Like you can go into it with that mindset, but these can happen anywhere. Uh, when you hit a client 
that the snow globe is shaken up. These are four steps that I found to be really helpful. This is a tool we can use. And I would encourage all of us to use. And the first, th like none of these are external things you say, by the way, these are all things that, um, posture that have been effective in posturing myself to make it almost impossible not to say or do the next right thing to help that person. It's no longer about what I wanted to accomplish. It's now about providing that person a service, providing them space to process, share, beat up whatever they need to beat up, including me, so that they can get calm. And then at some point, then or later, process whatever it is. So I'll go through each one of these. I'll maybe say a summary of them and go through each one of these in detail. So uh, number one is sense their emotion. Ooh them, acknowledge the emotion, allow space within the process, and then pray for advice. Like, what's the best next step here? So I'll talk about each one of these in detail. So since the emotion, uh, this is something that's been incredibly helpful. We actually have a magnet on our refrigerator. It's been an awesome thing to teach our kids. And we do with our friends a good bit. It's called the core emotion. Will two, four, six, eight. So there's eight core emotion, at least in how this particular person, Glenn has cropped and edit these, uh, lots of really cool exercises you could do with this, but in real time, as the person is saying and sharing and venting and yelling or cussing or whatever they're doing, just let them do their thing. Um, you, you never actually label someone else's emotion. That's actually really hurtful and can like cause the spiral to escalate. It's like, Ooh, you must be angry right now. Like bad, not helpful. <laughs> uh, but internally sensing the emotion they are probably experiencing. And literally we'll look at the will internally, me and Stacey and be like, Ooh, I'm feeling shame and guilt that I didn't do the thing you asked me to do yesterday. And that's leading me to anger at myself and a little bit at you. Cause you asked me the thing you ask, like, you're doing that yet. Where are you at on that? And I'm like, Hmm. I'm feeling these things not leading me to this thing. So sensing the emotion, a client is on a call and they're getting frustrated. I'm going to label the emotion to myself since the emotion. Mm, well, they're definitely anger, but I'm, I, anger is almost always secondary to another thing. It's very rare to encounter uh, anger as the primary emotion. It's almost secondary to another thing, depending on your personality type. So they're probably feeling fear. They're probably feeling sad. They're probably feeling, you know, a little bit of guilt. They didn't do their job. They didn't do their action on quota. They're probably feeling, um, shame that then that has led them to not accomplishing what they wanted to and probably that they'll have to go tell their spouse they spent money they shouldn't have spent when the spouse told them they probably wouldn't accomplish it that i'm going to take a guess but that's probably what they're sensing uh since the emotion number one second ooh it uh and ooh is kind of a weird phrase actually when you're, we're doing this externally uh, i would me and stacy say this all the time like ooh, i get that like what, what's happening for you there uh she'll share the emotion or share what's happening i'll say ooh, i totally get that and when I say I get that, I don't actually have walked through the shoes she's walking through, but I understand that emotion because I have for sure experienced that before. So when on a call or with a client, sensing the emotion is internal, like literally label it. And it's helpful to put a word to it, mm, guilt, shame, whatever. Um, second is then to ooh it internally. Like, mm, I get that. like I'm, this is in my head, you know, Bob Sexton's losing his mind over here. And I'm like, anger, guilt, shame. Okay. Ooh, I get that. This is internally. And I think back to the last time I was guilt and shame, which was like yesterday because I didn't do a thing and I felt bad. I didn't do the thing. Okay. Ooh, I get that. that. Again, if nothing else, that puts me in an empathetic frame of mind. I'm not like holier than thou mad at him or frustrated at some logistical thing. I'm like, I get that because I get hit with guilt and shame as well. And I get hit with anger as well. Well, third thing is then to allow space within the process. And this is by far the hardest thing, especially in intimate relationships. And especially when they're processing on you and the finger and the double barrel shotgun gets pointed at you in the processing point. So once you have labeled the emotion internally, by the way, not externally, once you've found the last time you experienced that emotion, this all happens in seconds, by the way, uh, 
you then, the best thing you can do for them to help that snow globe get calm is to hold space for them, which is the whole point of that air and a grievance call. You're just holding, you're, you're crawling under the tarp and you're standing up in the middle of the tarp and holding that thing open for them to sit there and be safe. The rainstorm's hitting them externally and you're going to hold space. Now, the tricky part is, and the hardest part of this by a mile is when the processing is about you. Because the processing may or may not, the real logistical thing may or may not be about you. Most of the time it isn't. It ain't got nothing to do with you. There's trigger, the shame and the guilt and the angers. Maybe there's things that you could have done better, but it's rarely, if they're like elevated to a thousand feet, it's rarely about you personally. Um, even if there were things that could have done better, that 1000 feet goes all the way back to when they were six years old and something their dad did that you can't solve that, but you're going to hold space because almost no one has ever held space for them ever. Almost no one ever holds space for anyone ever. So this is like one of the first times in their life they will experience someone being empathetic and holding space for them, even when they're body punching you in the process of like you, Catherine, and you did this and Chung said this and he lied to me. And that's why I hate everything in my life. No, it's not. That's fine. Tell me more. Yo, that sucks. Tell me more about that. What happened there? Let them body punch. Let them do it. I mean, there's some line of like abuse, obviously. And we're talking about a coaching situation that you don't want to cross. But like, man, having room for someone to share their experience, create safe. Like, I'll tell you who's the best on this I've ever encountered that I personally worked with closely is Bethany. So let them let them process. And it's one of the best things that a third party can do stepping into a situation is let them process. And the reason it's easier for them is because they're not the person ever because they're a third party that hasn't been in it. So you can't even blame them if you want to. So. First thing, sense the emotion. Second thing, ooh it, acknowledge it, tie back to a time you have had that emotion recently. Third thing, A, allow them to process. You haven't said a word yet. They're ask, you detect that the snow globe detectometer went off. They're in the death zone. They're in the crazy town zone. They're in the thousand feet of emotion. Things could go very wrong here if I say the wrong thing. So I put soap in my mouth by not saying anything. Sense the emotion, label it, ooh it, allow space for them to process. Last thing, again, this is what I do. I'll real quick, like, all right, check my intuition, check with God real quick. Hey, what do you want to do here? Be quiet, say things, not say things, give advice, not, not give advice. Like I'm not, until I get through soap, I'm not saying a word. I'm going to be intentional with what I say next. And I'm going to check not my, and if my snow globe detectometer starting to go off on myself, I'm just not going to say anything at all. Better to not say, do thumper, better not to say anything than whatever thumper's advice was in Bambi. I forget the, the quick line. Better not say anything than what, what is this line? What does Thumper say in Bambi? Guys don't say anything at all. There it is. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that. Um, so that's soap. Since their emotion, ooh, them allow space to process, pray for advice, and then work from that spot. Whatever happens next comes after those four things. So before you say anything, do those four things. I'll give you a couple of examples of this real time for us. Uh, so a, a good GU example, a client might say something like, I'm really pissed off and disappointed in this program. Johnny told me to done for you, but I got over that and decided to move forward. But now I just keep getting shallow advice from you. My launch failed. I don't really like partnerships at all. This stuff doesn't work. I want my money back. So their snow globe detectometer is going off. Obviously, everything's about us. That's a good good indicator that it's all about us. Uh, and they're not talking about themselves at all. That's fine. Cool. So since the emotion, ooh them, hold space for it, pray. I'm not doing anything until I do, do, uh, until I do those four things. So coach might say, Ooh, I get that. What happened? Uh, client, I just told you, I'm really disappointed. I've done six podcasts and I've only got 12 new leads. Matt and Chung told me I would have four clients of 500 leads by now. I'm just done with this. Detectometer still pegged to the far right. Um, coach, I totally get that. What else is happening? Hold space. They're just allow, allowing them to process. 
keep telling me more, tell me more, tell me more. The client money's tight due to all this crap. I paid y'all $15,000 and I made nothing. I've lost money really. Now my wife is pissed and I'm regretting I ever did this. Again, detector meters pinned. I'm going to continue holding space though, even though they're starting to body punch me a little bit in the process. Coach, I definitely get that too. What else? <laughs> client. Now we're starting to get somewhere. Honestly, I'm just frustrated. I know I can do this. I like you and the team. I'm just sick of my business and not growing. Coach, how can I help? Now we're, it's not, it's not all the way down to like the chill zone, but an example of sense the emotion, do it internally, allow space and then to process, get it all out. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more about how we suck. Tell me more. Man, that sounds terrible. More how we suck. I keep getting there. Dig, 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 dig. Let them, by people verbally processing and just getting out, the snow globe just goes down. Like the more they talk, the lower that thing gets. They're just able to get it out of their brain. So now we're into like at least the start of the chill zone. Now we can actually do something. Bad example of this. Client, I'm really pissed off and disappointed in this program. Johnny told me it'd be done for you. I got over that and decided blah, blah, blah. Coach. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Now, remember, we did talk about this and you signed a contract saying you complete your plan. Let's review your plan together and get you confident in it. It's like no processing, straight to the logistic. And oh, by the way, you said this six months ago or six days ago or six weeks ago or whatever. Like not helpful. It's like if you get in a marriage dispute and you pull out your marriage certificate or your wedding vows or something, it's like there's a place for that eventually somewhere that way down the line. But like doing that right here is just super weird and not helpful at all. And that just starts nuclear destruction mode. Uh, a good example of this with this with a guy named Aaron Antonich, who's also mentally, legitimately mentally unstable as well. A year, a year and a half ago. And we didn't process the emotion before the logistic. We went to the contract and the do still around. And again, the goes and Michael. <laughs> We haven't talked to him since January and he reappeared last week. I haven't even told you all that. Anyway, we'll keep that off y'all's radar completely. Y'all never have to talk to the guy, but um, it's just, it didn't have to go there. We went, we did literally this, this language is pulled almost exactly verbatim from our response to his thing. And we waited forever and then sent an email like this. I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with what's being said there, but we didn't soap it up at all. We didn't sense it. We didn't do it. We didn't let him process. And he's also legitimately mentally unstable as well. So like he's, you know, a little bit over the map. So that is SOAP, um, a framework I found to be incredibly helpful, incredibly simple, incredibly to remember real time. Uh, when I, I try to keep the snow globe meter out as well, like when, when is somebody escalated? Let's just do this for them because it's one of the best things you can do for someone. We'll go to the SOP here in a second for the misaligned client expectation because this doesn't directly answer that, but it is like one of the core tools as coaches that we have to use and as humans that we ideally can use to give somebody that experience for the first time, which is a safe space. Most people aren't used to that. So questions, thoughts, comments. Most coaches and consultants who have a resource that they give away online aren't leveraging their thank you page, also referred to as a confirmation page, the way they should. Your thank you page is actually an opportunity to generate additional traffic to your website if you do the right things to make it go viral. This month only, I'm giving away my viral thank you page playbook, which includes everything you need to make your thank you page become a viral traffic source to your website, resulting in a lot more leads for you. You can grab it for free this month only at growthtools.com forward slash free. Again, that's growthtools.com forward slash free.